Hi, I'm Sanera Madani, and I'm a mom of two, a daughter of an immigrant and an unlikely entrepreneur who went from scaling an idea to a billion dollar business. Yes, a billion dollar business. Along the way, I learned that less than 2% of female founders ever hit 1 million in revenue. And I became obsessed on a mission to change that. I believe that there is so much gatekeeping in business knowledge and that we as female entrepreneurs should be learning from other female founders and leaders who have broken the statistics. Since I never went to CEO school, I've had to learn it all the hard way, but you shouldn't have to because we believe that you deserve to have it all. And honestly, nothing bad happens when women make more money. Grab a seat because class is officially in session. Welcome to CEO School. Hey everyone, it's Sanira here. As you may know, CEO School is officially part of the HubSpot Podcasting Network. We're now part of a family of shows designed to help professionals listen, learn, and grow by providing access to the world's leading B2B podcasts like Being Boss, hosted by Emily Thompson. Being Boss is an exploration of not only what it means, but what it takes to be a boss as a creative business owner, freelancer, or side hustler. I enjoyed listening in as Amy, along with her guest, Nikki Nash, discussed very practical ways to create a marketing plan that works. Listen to Being Boss wherever you get your podcast, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. So without further ado, Jessica, I would like to invite you for an incredible next 40 minutes of um, just this amazing dialogue on your background, on public speaking, on PR, and how we can really find the confidence to share our stories and our voices by way of their, by way of introduction. Jessica Abo is uh, an author, a speaker, a coach specifically for PR and for um, getting your message out and confidence in speaking. And she has a best-selling book as well as she's also a writer for entrepreneur magazine. She's a regular contributor, um, as well as many other things. I'll let her give her bio, but she is no short of exemplary and, um, honestly did one of my favorite features I've ever had in my life was your feature that you did in entrepreneur Uh. magazine highlighting me. And so it's, it's so special. Um, and just all that you do. So welcome to CEO school, Jessica. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I I don't know sooner if you can share your screen or if we even want to try this, but I can try to do like the little doodad that I made for you all last night while my husband and I were watching suits from the beginning. If anyone is a fan of suits, we just started it this past summer. I've gone bananas for the show. I actually went to college with Meghan Markle. So, um, I'm a little late to the game as I am with these things. Most of the time. I know, I know it's so crazy. I feel like we have to like pause right now to go talk about you and Meghan Markle's friendship. Well, I wasn't, I wasn't so close with her. We just were like crossing paths, but she was the maid of honor in a very dear friend's wedding. So, um, and I always thought she was so lovely and beautiful. And I thought at at my friend's wedding, she was there by herself. And I thought, wow, like, I wonder what Megan's story is these days. She's so beautiful. She's so lovely. She's so talented. And then they announced like three days later that she was dating Prince Harry. And I was like, oh, that, that makes sense. Why her plus one wasn't there, but, um, yeah, so happy for her. And I love watching her in the show. And I hope I run into her now in California since we're both out here. That's amazing. I I'm actually, I used to watch suits. I've been, we were a big suits fan. And then I don't know if I completed suits, 
but I've been following that. I love that show and I just love the business of it. And what's the main character's name? The main lawyer. So there's, um, Harvey Specter, Harvey, Harvey. Oh my God. He's so hot. Like he's so good looking. <laughs> I love him so much. And he's so charming. Like he's just like, I love it. I love watching him. Oh my gosh. I, the show has been so awesome. I have to say, and now my messed up my entire screen. So this is just like entrepreneurship at its finest. I will, I will just start talking. I don't know where your screen went. So now that's completely gone. Um, <laughs> just, just tell us, tell us your background, how you got into this. Uh, so talk, bring us back to your journey for the women that don't know you. Yeah. So I wanted to be Phil Donahue when I was nine years old. And if you are on the younger side of the line on this conversation, Phil Donahue was like the, the Dr. Phil, the Oprah back in the day, I'm 41. So my grandmother and I were very close. We would watch these episodes where Phil Donahue would be talking with the guest, there'd be a guest psychologist there. And the person on the set would be talking about their painful story. And somehow by the end of the show, they would feel better. And something struck a chord with me at that age to think, well, if one person was sharing their story and one person was helping them and all of that was broadcast on national TV, everyone at home with the same problem was now listening to that person and not feeling alone, listening to the psychologist and benefiting from that advice. And then maybe have the tools and resources they need to go out in their lives and feel better. And that for me was this big aha moment at nine. And I just pursued this TV career from that age on and went to school to be a broadcast journalist. I went to Northwestern University's Medill School of Journalism, was there for college and grad school. While I was there, I spent some time in Lexington, Kentucky, reporting for a CBS affiliate in grad school. I covered Capitol Hill for another CBS affiliate. And then after I graduated from grad school, got on my way. And I lived in Burlington, Vermont for two years. I lived in New York working as a news anchor and news reporter for another 10, met my now husband. I lost the coin toss and ended up in LA and signed a book deal right after he and I got married. So when I got out to LA, I didn't go into traditional TV news anymore. I pursued my book tour with my family, my book and my daughter, my four-year-olds were due the same day. So that was very fun. And then this past summer, we had our second daughter and I launched my online media training course in the morning of August 18th. I went to my doctor's appointment to have them check the, the heart rate of the baby. And they saw a few little things that made them question like what was going on. So we ended up going to labor and delivery. They said, you might have a baby today. And I said, oh no, no, I will be having a baby today. Thank you so much. And I got to labor and delivery. They said, why are you here? And I said, um, I'm here to be evaluated. They said to stay. And I said, oh, I'll be staying. And they said, does your doctor know that? And I said, oh, she will soon. And they induced me at noon and our baby was born the next morning. So I like to launch big business things and people Babies apparently and business at the same time. And that, that brings me it. to today where I am a media trainer. And as you mentioned before, have a business series on entrepreneur.com. It's incredible. I mean, I, I love that you literally have a baby every time you launch something major. <laughs> I hope that keeps happening for you. Oh, this uh, will be it. I was, this, this will be it. <laughs> okay. All right. Fine. But I hope that the next few launches of, of your book and other things are going to be there. So I well, love you other babies. Cause I, that's, yes. that's, that's a fun story. I love that. <laughs> So news anchor, I mean, you've had so much media training yourself, right? You went to school for this. Um, you know, let's start from like 
And then also you work with so many entrepreneurs because of your reporting and your, like you do, you have a series on entrepreneur.com. And I mean, I would tell you that I've actually never had any formal media training in my life. And so I've never had formal training. I've just learned what I've learned through experience. And now I've had a lot of media over the last 10 years of being an entrepreneur and at the success that we've had, but I wish I didn't have to, like, I wish I would have started early with getting the right training in the first place. And I think there's honestly, I'm excited to learn from you today because it's never too late to continue to like get better. And one of the things that I absolutely hate is like listening to myself or watching myself on video. Like I have a rule. I do not watch it. So I do not watch it whatsoever because I will sit there and critique every part of whatever is happening and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do it and put it out into the world. And so I'm actually, I think this timing of this is perfect. I'm being filmed on Thursday, this like, like literally this week for a, um, a television docu-series that cannot be announced right now. So we're working on a secret project with HubSpot and LinkedIn. Um, and so that's happening. So I have filming day on Thursday. So give me all the media training. So where do we begin? So how do you like take a person and what are the biggest things that you see that women is let's talk about women, right? So that we specifically do that we can get better at. Okay. So there are so many things here, but let's take the first, the first is the book that I wrote is called unfiltered, how to be as happy as you look on social media. And the book gave me an opportunity to interview a bunch of psychologists and learn what is the link between our psychology and technology. So I just want to start this section of our chat with, if you are someone who goes online and you fall into that compare and despair trap, you are not alone. And if you are someone who the thought of putting yourself online in a video or on your local news, if that idea just freaks you out and makes you feel like, oh my gosh, why me? Why should people learn from me? I'm, I don't even deserve this opportunity. And you have imposter syndrome, you're also not alone. So let's just start there because our brains are wired to care about what other people think about us. We are wired to care about our reputation. So the minute someone says to you, Hey, Sanira, do you want to be on the today show? Your first thought might be yes. Oh my God, this is amazing. This is the today show. I've watched this since I was a child. And then all of a sudden your brain goes, wait, oh my God, but you have to look good and you have to sound good. And you want to be able to retrieve the perfect thought at the perfect moment. And then you start to go, can I do this? Yeah. So the first thing to do that I do with all of my clients, and this is true, whether I'm working with someone one-on-one -on -one or in a group is I ask everybody, what are your gotcha questions? What are the questions that someone could ask you that you don't want to answer that could throw you off that you legally cannot answer at this time that you don't know the answer to whatever it might be, dig deep and make a list of those questions and figure out how you would answer those first, because you can talk about, tell me about yourself. Why did you write this book? Why did you start this company? But most people sit in an interview and the whole time they're holding their breath thinking, oh my gosh, I hope that they don't ask me this. I hope that they don't ask me this. And as a result, half of their brain is in fear mode. And the other half is trying to like go through that file cabinet and pick the answers and listen to the question and do all the things that we do when we're being interviewed. So first start with your gotcha questions. What are the things that you are afraid someone might bring up and address those in your practicing sessions? Number one, number two, 
If you are someone who rambles and you over explain as women tend to do, and if you are a people pleaser, you will over explain even more because you have a history of feeling invalidated. And as an, as an adult for, I mean, and I'm a recovering people pleaser, which is how I'm talking about this, not through the, the lens of a psychologist myself, but you will, you will tend to over explain as an adult because you're used to having to justify every thought and feeling. So Take those questions that you think you might be asked if the booker or the producer shared them with you in advance, or if you know the topic of the panel that you are appearing on, think of some of the things you think will come up and write out all of your answers in full, get all of the words out of your body. So this way, when you do the interview live, you already know that you've highlighted the words that are really important to you. Those nuggets that are really, really powerful. Like for me, when I talk about the book, I always say, if you fall into the compare and despair trap, you're not alone. The book helps people take back their happiness in real life. You know, things like that, that I know are my go-tos. What are your go-tos? So if your company was made by women for women, then that's a great nugget. Lean on the things that you can say in less words because you want to count your words and make your words count. So that is the rambling part of this, inter, um, you know, uh, advice portion of the interview. The next thing to do is to practice. But when you practice, don't practice the questions in order if you have them in advance, or even if you've written some that you're going to practice on your own and you've made up your own script. Practice with a friend, practice with a loved one, practice with your child. Teenagers are very honest. So if they can't recite back to you what you just shared with them, you're talking too much in your business jargon way, and you want to make things really, really simple and have that person ask you the questions that you've shared with them from one to 10, and then tell them, okay, now go from 10 to one, because the anchor, the host, the producer on game day might ask you a question and they might do it out of order from how you practiced. And I don't want that to throw you off. But if you get in the habit of thinking on your feet, you're, you're going to be able to handle anything that comes your way. So those are three things that I would say to do to get started. Oh my God. I love that. I hope everybody was taking notes here. I love that advice. And I definitely fall under the the too much category, the over explaining. And I lo- I actually didn't think about how like the psychology behind why I'm doing that. And I do think that, that it's probably because as women, like I've never, we, I don't have voices. Like I have to over justify everything to everyone all the time. And so that's, I think where the over explaining definitely comes from. So I love that. Um, I would say also something that when I, what I struggle with, when I, I think thinking on the feet, I love that. I think that is something that I learned through experience just because I've done so many interviews and it, it never goes according to exactly how they outline it. It's where the conversation leads. I love your advice on practicing it back and forth and knowing your go-tos because at the end of the day, you still have to hit home the message that you want to hit home. So regardless of even how the interview or interviewer is asking the question, you want to walk away with your message. And I think that that's one of the biggest things that I've learned is to also move the conversation along in a way that benefits what is the message that I'm trying to convey on an interview, because that can also get lost in translation. What are your thoughts there on how to move the conversation to drive the points that you need to get home? 
So I had been at this for 20 plus years, and I can tell you the number one reason why someone wants to kick themselves after an interview is because oftentimes if someone comes to your office to do an interview and it's not live, they will say to you at the end of the interview, Sunira, is there anything you want to add? Is there anything I didn't ask you that you want to share? And I can't tell you how many people say, no, we're good. That was everything. We covered it all. And then after everything is packed up and the crew has left, they think, oh my gosh, why didn't I mention our website? Why didn't I mention this upcoming 5k that we have? Why didn't I blah, blah, blah. So make sure that you have something ready to go or take that opportunity. If you answered a question that you weren't totally crazy about during the interview, take that opportunity to just redo that answer. Because I can tell you in my reporting days, 99.9% .9 of the time, that was the soundbite I used. And here's why people think the interview is over. They don't feel like they're under as much pressure anymore. People feel like they've done everything that they need to do. And they can go home and feel good about it. And it's like this throwaway thought. Well, that throwaway thought often is the best. It's the best. It's the most organized and it's the most powerful, relatable, meaningful thing that that person has said in the course of 30 minutes. So don't lose that opportunity. And even if you're alive and they say, okay, Samira, we have 10 seconds left. Where can people go? I can't tell you how many people don't know their website or they don't have a website. So make sure you know where people can go. Or if you're someone who just pivoted and you have a bio on your company website and people have for the last 10 years been getting in touch with you through your old company website, make sure you know where you want people to go from this day forward because you want to be prepared. So that's that. And then in terms of how to be prepared regarding your messaging, so look, you don't want to be a sleazy salesperson the whole time and everything that they ask you, like if you said to me, okay, so Jessica, tell me about, you know, why you're so passionate about public speaking. And I said, thanks so much, Sunira. I have a masterclass starting in November and an online course that you can get a hundred dollars off today. You'd be like, okay, well, all that might be true. Like, why are you telling me that now? This is so awkward, but people do that. Like people are that intentional with their messaging, especially when the answers have been written for them from a publicist, from someone on their PR team, from the corporate communications person in their company who then had legal approve the sound bites, they are so nervous to go off script, but that's what they sound like. They sound like oh, this is not even an appropriate time to be talking about these things. Why are they talking about these things? And now no one wants to listen anymore. So you want to be intentional. You want to get your messaging in, but you want to do it in a way where you're always answering what the person has asked you and when appropriate, bring it in. And if you get one of those questions that you don't want to answer and you need to pivot, that's a great way to pivot. So you, if you said to me, Jessica, how much do you make in a year? And I'm not at a point where I'm talking about revenue, which a lot of founders don't feel comfortable for whatever reasons talking about, you know, investments or what have you, you can say, listen, I can't share those numbers right now, but what I can tell you is we are offering new services right now for a limited amount of time, blah, 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 blah. So all of that information is great. You just want to use it to the best of your ability at the right moment. I fully agree with that. And I think it's all about being strategic, right? At the end of the day, every single conversation, um, it's a conversation. And I think also having fun is so important. You can definitely tell interviews, like, especially I interview like on the podcast, right? So we actually had our 200th episode on Monday, 200 episodes. I was literally listening to it on the drive the other day. And I actually don't listen to like all of them in post-production. I just make sure like, okay, how is it? Like I'll, I'll listen to a little bit of it. 
And on the 200th episode, I was in tears, Jessica. I was like, oh my God, I've been so consistent. And I started this podcast three years ago in 20 March of 2020. And our, like our, my podcast manager, she sends me like our weekly downloads and our stats. And like, I got this week's, um, this week's stat report. And I didn't even realize that we had recorded our 200th episode and on the charts, we're at 25, like on entrepreneur as the category. So we're ranking like in the top 25 right now, like not even in top 100, top 25, we're ranking, like literally we're crossing the 150 in the overall business category right now, which is insane. I definitely felt like all that imposter syndrome when I, like every week that she shares this, but on that 200th episode, I like sat in my car and I just was so freaking proud. And I just, I just feel so proud. And I will tell you that my one, my first episode sounds nothing like my 200th episode and you just get better with consistency and consistency and practice and just it's consistency. Like, that's what I really felt about. Like, that was the word that I felt that day was like, girl, I showed up and I put myself out there and then I kept going twice a week. That took three years to get to that milestone. And I'm just so proud. And it definitely, you just get better over time too. So stick to, to it. And I think that, yeah, just stick to it. Consistency is what I felt, but I was so proud. First of all, I'm so proud of you and I'm so happy for you. And I think it's also so important that you can recognize this big accomplishment and celebrate it. Because I think often as women, we look at things like a marathon and we get to mile 13 and we're like, oh my gosh, we have 13 more miles to go instead of stopping having a water break and looking back and saying, wait, I just ran 13 miles. So I have no idea where you want to take this podcast, but for where you are in this moment to be able to look back and say, I did that. I didn't give up. This is what I've created. This is how it's grown. This is how I've evolved. This is how the podcast has evolved. So many people only see the post on Instagram that says I was on entrepreneur or I was on the cover of this magazine and they can appreciate because they aren't aware of the blood, sweat, and tears someone put into that journey. But I love that you always share the blood, sweat, and tears. I love that you are an open book because I think you give people hope that where they are isn't necessarily where they're going to be in a day, in a week or a year from now. No, it's, it is, it's such a journey, right? This, all of this is everything is a journey. And I think it's about embracing that journey and it's about sharing your story. And I think that's so important. And that's something that we received press early on in the company. So I think there was a misconception. I'd love to kind of pivot here into this direction. I think there's a misconception and you're, you know, you're, you're on the other side also as a reporter um, as well. And so you're looking through stories. I think the last time you were on the podcast, this was definitely something you and I were talking about on how to even attain press. But what I, what I want to make sure that people know is you don't, you don't need to have this billion dollar company to be featured in publications or to have people tell you have to know how to tell your story and everybody needs to know their origin story as a founder and as an entrepreneur and there is a space for you there is a space for you and so i'd love to share kind of your um like your experience and how women can start attaining that credibility that they deserve and like what are, and how to actually cultivate that founder story. Cause I find so often, and I'm sure you do as well, that not only women, like they discount themselves so much, they feel like they don't even have a story to share. They have to achieve, like in order for me to have a story, I must have already accomplished X, Y, Z, 
and that's not the case. So I'd love to hear your perspective on that. So, so many people, when we meet in our first session, I do immediate intake long before we talk about any of your sound bites and how to be camera ready. I need to understand where I'm starting from with the person. And I can't tell you nine times out of 10, they say, I don't even, I don't know what to say. I don't even know what makes me interesting. Nine times out of 10, we start there. What have been the things in life that they have overcome? Like how did you turn your pain into purpose? What was a moment where you failed and how do you, how did you pick yourself back up? How did you turn setbacks into stepping stones? Those are one side of the coin, but the other side is what are some things about you that I might not know? Did you move around a lot as a child? Do you have a hobby that is a superpower that all of your friends come to, you know, like, do you have the best banana bread in town? And everyone always wants to know, like, if you're coming to an event, would you please bake your banana bread? And you know, what's your recipe for success? Like to me, there's always a story in everything. So I love interviewing people in this media intake because we first start with me understanding who this person is as a human and then what they've accomplished and then what they've experienced and what they have learned and all these other things. But all of those things can be attached to a headline. So if you moved around a lot as a kid, you could have some sort of guest post that would touch on how moving around the country made me a better entrepreneur or 10 things I learned about life living in 10 different cities. So if you are someone who's like, wait, I don't even know where to begin. Start with the day you were born, write your birth date on the top of a piece of paper, and then think of all of the things that come to mind. When you think about your life, the things that you're proud of, the things that have been really hard for you, we all have something that's hard for us, but we don't walk around the world with a hello. My name is name tag. And then on the back of our back say, and these are the hard things in my life, but I wish we did because then we would be able to connect with people of in such a powerful way because you would say, Oh my gosh, you too. Or I never knew that. Or you always seem so happy. I didn't know that you were dealing with that. So if we open ourselves up a little bit more, we have the ability to connect with more people. But the first thing that we need to do to make that happen is connect with ourselves. And I think if you go through that exercise of what makes me, me, you'll find in there is something that's really interesting to you, but really, really interesting to someone else. There's this meme on social media I've seen from time to time. And it says something along the lines of what you're going through now is going to be someone else's survival guide. And I think about that all of the time, especially with our fertility journey, because I didn't share anything on social media about our loss. I did not share anything about the journey over the course of three years. I did not share. We were pregnant. I did not share that our daughter was born. Only twice have I posted in the last like six weeks that would hint at that we have a newborn. And, you know, now that I'm on the other side, I, I want people to know that there's another person out there who they might be able to lean on, but people will only know that if you're willing to share. While the markets may have seen a dip in Q2 VC funding, it doesn't mean that your business can't scale. It just means it might look different to how you plan. With thousands of in-house crafted integrations of marketing, sales, and service, HubSpot is on a mission to help your business grow better with a CRM platform that's easy to buy, use, and scale. Want to figure out how to streamline your deals? Easy. The Sales Hub helps you close more deals by automating your busy work. Need to automate your social media? Piece of cake. The Marketing Hub has everything you need to publish, post, and monitor your social media channels all in one hub. And with Service Hub, centralized customer data keeps your support teams all moving in one direction, forward. 
Learn how HubSpot can make it easier for your business to grow better at HubSpot.com. Running a business is hard. Managing employees is hard. Getting customers through the door is even harder. But getting paid shouldn't have to be. This is where Stacks Payments is here to help. As an intuitive platform for invoicing, recurring billing, in-person, as well as online payments, Stacks is a one-stop hub to get you paid. What's even better? Stacks has one flat fee for the month instead of percentages you can't understand. Stop spending time tracking down customers or payment tools that fail on you. Set your automations up with Stacks Payments today. As CEO and founder of Stacks and CEO School, it's been my mission to support female leaders, founders, and CEOs. With Stacks, I'm able to do so by providing fast, easy, and affordable way to process payments every day for you. My heart is like beating so fast right now. I just could hug you. I love um, you. I, I love you too. I, I feel, I just feel, I feel you so much right now and you're so right. And you know, that's something that I feel people don't understand. Other people get me or they don't, especially on social media. Um, and in the world that I live in, in the business world, I feel judged all the time for being a successful CEO and then showing up and doing reels or like connecting with odd, like doing stories or sharing like the most vulnerable parts of me and also the most successful parts as well. Like I question so much that goes online because it's hard because I'm I do feel judged by my business community and it's, it's either they get it or they don't. But for me, I think exactly what you said on someone else's survival might be dependent. I really do believe that representation, like seeing is believing and by showing up and by sharing the, the, I love what you talked about of putting like, these are the things that I've been through. It gives somebody else hope, right? It shows that it's, it's that they can, they, they too can do what you're doing. And I think that that is what inspiration truly is. It's not about the, the title, the success, the accomplishment. It's everything in between that, that I feel is missing from the world that we don't get to share the blood, sweat and tears and the hardships and the, what are the hard things? And so I just, I feel you so much because it's hard putting yourself out there and that's not easy. And like, when you said you, you, I didn't even know, actually, I didn't even pay attention, I guess, because we're friends and I know you're pregnant that I didn't even think about that. You actually haven't talked about your pregnancy online. You've like hinted at it. And so it just, I feel you. And how do you kind of get over that? Right. So, cause for me, it's still a constant struggle. I'm like, because the first thing you said is that as humans, right, we are designed to fear like that perception, right? Perception is important to us and it, it should, it should it be right. I question that as well. Um, so I don't know, like, what are your thoughts here on like, how do we get over that fear? Um, I get over that fear by knowing my why and sticking to that every day but it's not easy. So here I would say, if you're going to share, make sure you're sharing for a reason. For me today felt like it's it's October. So this awareness month is hanging over my head. It was actually three years ago yesterday that we found out as I was nearing our second trimester that this baby didn't have a heartbeat anymore. So for me in the last 24 hours, I had to reflect on where I am in my own life and is now the time. So it felt like it felt right for me to be able to start sharing this story. But 
the reason I share today is because I don't know who's listening to this. And I want that person to feel like they aren't alone and know that there's one more person in the world that they could reach out to if they need anything. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that you sitting in Wichita, Kansas or Burlington, Vermont need to sit in front of your phone today and think about, Hmm, like what is something that I'm facing that I'm just going to throw out in the world for just the sake of throwing it out in the world. Like I think, I think what makes sharing and being vulnerable worth it because it is hard. And part of why I didn't share the story too, over the last three years is because I didn't have the bandwidth for other people's opinions and the, it's going to happen when you least expect it type of things. I, I actually didn't have the capacity to take that on. So that's why another layer I didn't share. And then when we did fall pregnant, because there are still people trying, I didn't want to put it in their face without knowing the context. So I, I held everything within. But if you are someone who is you're going through something or you have overcome something and you just can't keep it inside anymore and you are ready and you are at a place where you can take people's questions and comments, then maybe this is the time to put it out there. Maybe you want to put it in a book or you want to put it in a guest post, or maybe you're just sick and tired of seeing everyone around you. Maybe it's not something that's just um, so personal. Maybe it's just you have a stage fright or imposter syndrome, and you haven't been putting yourself out there for those reasons. Maybe you're just sick and tired of feeling that way. And you think I cannot stand seeing my business competition on one more interview. When I have more experience, I have more customers. I have, you know, just as much to say, if not more, maybe you just feel like this is your moment. So now you're going to be vulnerable and put yourself out there because you know that people want what you are selling and you don't want their money going someplace else when you feel really worthy of, um, you know, their support and their loyalty, given who you are as a business. So I would say, don't just throw your dirty laundry out in public for, you know, without any reason or something really, you know, mysterious, like, I don't know, like a black square and like want, want as your caption, because then people are going to worry and not understand what's happening. So you want to be strategic to a certain point, but also really, you know, if today's the day you feel it and you feel like the words are going to flow, go for it. It doesn't always have to be so scripted, but just think about which side you feel more comfortable on. Do you want to be really intentional about what you're sharing and why are you in a place where this feels comfortable for you? Or do you want to just throw it out there, see if it lands. And if it does, you'll figure out what to do with this information you've shared moving forward. I love that advice. And for me, something that has worked in moments that I've been, I, I and I, I agree with that. I think that there are things that I have also like opened up about at different moments because I felt different moments were the right moment to say something or stand up for something, especially with, um, like Roe, Roe v. Wade turnover. I shared a real, like a personal story of, of mine and my, my husband's, but he was not my husband at the time. And I had to call my mother and talk to my, my mom before I put this, like I talked to my family before I put this out there. This was like the deepest, darkest secret I've ever, I, I carried, but I felt that it was so important for women at where I felt I needed to, and I was, I, I was, I don't know if I was ready for the world in that way, but in that moment, it felt like the right moment to stand up for something that I believed in or, or share something that was hard. And something that really helped me kind of tell that story in a way that I wanted to without feeling like, what am I going to say? How am I going to answer the questions was to write it out. And so that's something that I use as a tool, like, and everyone who follows me knows like I journal and it has been the most therapeutic 
thing in my life. Like I would say that it helps me get so grounded every morning. It's not this huge process. I don't have this crazy morning routine. Like I journal when I, when I can. And, um, that was a way, like I, when I write my words, I can be thoughtful about the words that I choose. And so I released that story almost like, as like, just what, like the words that I would have spoken, but from a, like, here's like from a statement perspective, like from, from written words versus me just showing up to deliver it because I probably would have been too emotional or whatever it was. So that was something that I used to write out the story and the words that I would choose with thought versus with just sharing. So that really helped me. I, I remember when you shared and I reached out to you and, and I had just interviewed you and you and I had spent a, a, quite a bit of time going back and forth about your, your story and your parents and how they played a role in your life. And even though I felt like I knew you, I, I didn't know everything about you. And when I read this component of your, your life, and I read this page from your story, it immediately just put our friendship on a different level because that's what sharing can do. And that's how customers feel. And that's how readers feel. And, and that's how patients feel. So we're all human beings at the end of the day. And, you know, I think also if you're someone who isn't sure if you are ready to share something, maybe wait until it pops up in the news cycle, or it's an awareness day, or there's a new movement or something just feels timely that you feel like you want to be part of the conversation and only join the conversation when you feel ready would be my advice. And then you had asked a question, a couple of questions ago about putting yourself out there, being vulnerable. And just one thing I wanted to add is that I don't plan on starting a company like Stacks anytime soon. I don't plan on going to medical school anytime soon. I don't plan on starting a jewelry line, a clothing line. There's just a billion things I don't plan on doing anytime soon. So if you are someone who has a talent and that is every single person listening to this, but if you are someone who has gone through the training and you have the experience, then someone like me wants to learn from someone like you. So when you have imposter syndrome, just remind yourself that you are the expert and you have something to share. And there are people in the world who are not going to go out in the world and do what you have done because they can't. And if you are feeling like, oh, but I don't know then start collecting your treasures, find those testimonials from your clients, find those great Yelp reviews, find those just DMS or emails that people have sent you to say you or your product or your story really helped me and put them in a folder on your phone or print them out and put them in a binder and keep them nearby. Because sometimes we have these moments where we feel really crappy about our day or where we are, whether we had a bad parenting moment, whether we had a bad item that was recalled, it doesn't matter. Just remind yourself that that one moment does not define everything about you and your business or everything about you and your life and your relationships and go back to the things that really make you, you. And if you forgot what those are, then lean on the people in your binder or in that folder on your phone to remind you. I love that. And that's such, it's solid advice for every single human and especially for women, because it's so hard for us to even, even taking credit, right? Like when I was in corporate America, um, anytime a manager would ever say anything nice or send me an email, I would save it into a, into a folder. And so when I did have shitty moments at work, I could kind of go back or remind myself of like how great I'm doing in, in my corporate role, but also it's great ammo for you to have when you need to reach in for anything, right? It's proof, right? And so building your proof around and what we as women want 
is that proof because we don't believe it ourselves until we get that piece of data or that or that certificate or that uh, diploma or the whatever. Use that as your proof in your story. So I love, love, love that advice. Now, there's a couple more questions that I have. I feel like we're going to have to have you back all the time. <laughs> I love so you. Amazing. <gasps> amazing. My pleasure. This has been so fun. It, it really is. And we didn't even plan for the conversation to go in this direction, which I love. I love that. Um, Jessica, for just to kind of close out on the uh, public speaking, you know, um, parts of it, I'd love to also get some some, you know, tips for like speeches and keynotes and live presentations. If you can kind of maybe walk through some of things that are that was like we talked a lot about like media interview, but I'd love to maybe talk about speaking, whether it's to like a live group, whether it's on zoom, or that could be like, you know, a Ted talk, right? So like, how do you, um, like, what are your, your best tips as a, as a, um, um, as the expert here for us? So my first tip, if you're doing anything on zoom is just to make sure that you practice having the proper eye contact. So right now I'm looking at the little green dot on the top of my laptop. So it looks like I'm speaking directly to you, Samira, but the minute that I break my eye contact and I start looking at the screen, which is where you would be appearing, or someone would see the audience appearing then it looks like I'm speaking down. And then there are other things like iPads and other computers out there. I'm on a MacBook air where the camera is lower. So when you look down, you're actually looking at the camera, but you look like you're looking at the corner or off to the side completely. So just know where the camera is on your device. And to the best of your ability, try to interact with that camera as much as you can. So the people who are watching you and listening to you feel like you are speaking to them directly. So that is a production tip for when you're presenting virtually. Mind blown right now because <laughs> I obviously look, I'm looking at you on my screen and I'm not looking into the camera. And so I'm going to be looking at the green, but it's hard. It's hard. It is hard. Yeah. You have, you definitely have to practice that to over time. It will feel less awkward. It, I'm so used to it now. I don't even, I don't even notice. Yeah, well, but. I'm mind blown with this one right now. That was really <laughs> on zoom all day, but this is one of those, this is one of those things that if you can't do it, even if you break eye contact from time to time and go up to the camera, that at least helps. Or yeah. if you are being interviewed in the moments where the person is asking you the question and you don't have to be thinking about your answer or speaking in the moment, uh, you know, in, in real time, that's a great time to just look up and listen and, mm-hmm you know, and do, and do all of the, the things looking at the dot, okay. but in terms of the actual content. So I, I like to make sure people know what kind of speech they want to give. So if you are someone who is not funny, do not put pressure on yourself to start with a joke. If that is not who you are as a person, you might be someone who's really curious. So you might start your speech with a question, you know, that asks the audience, you know, that people have to raise their hands or something, you know, along those lines, but don't be, don't be something that you're not just because you think that that is what public speaking requires. Public speaking works well when you are your most authentic self and you feel great. And I mean, really great about your material. So if you want to be someone who has more of a hero type of speech where, you know, you had to overcome something, that's one way to go about it. If you are someone who's really linear and you want to tell your story and walk someone through the beginning of time to where you are today, that's a different kind of feel for a speech, but there doesn't need to be a sort of formula that you have to follow every single time because different audiences require different things. Now that doesn't mean you can't take 
what I like to call your menu. So I like to, when I work with clients, I like to figure out what are the big themes that they like to talk about? What are the things that when they are driving in their car and they have five minutes from their house until they get to the grocery store and they need to call someone back because they had one question, what is that person's one question that they find themselves answering a hundred times a week? Chances are that's advice that they give over and over and over again. And it falls under a theme. Maybe everyone wants to know how you do it all. And there's like this time management hack that you have. Okay. Well, when you get to the advice portion of your speech, that life hack should be one of your three tips, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that has to be the whole speech. You just want to think of the things that are part of your menu, because maybe you're giving a speech to, I don't know, people who are experts in time management. So that's not necessarily the tip that you would share with that group. But if you have your list of 10 things on your menu, maybe for this speech, you're going to use anecdote one, five, and seven. And for something else, you're going to use two, four, and six, because once you have the content that makes you, you, it doesn't change all of that much, just the way you use it changes and how you group it with other things might change. So the, the woman who I'm chatting with after today, she, we're on our last session, her speech is this week. We're practicing it one more time, but that's what we did. We laid out all of the things that she could talk about that she felt would match the, the topic she was given to speak about. Of those stories, we picked the ones that she was the most excited to share this week. Last week, it might've been different. Next week, it might be something else, but she picked the stories that she was the most excited to share with this group in this environment at this stage of, of time. And then we kind of grouped it into the themes that match the keynote theme of the day because the organizers gave her a theme to follow. So that doesn't mean that those three stories can't be used next week with a different theme, it just means you want to make sure you're organized and you want to know what you want to share in this moment and how you want to connect it to the theme that you've been given or that you're coming up with and then figure out how to refurbish it and recycle it next time. I mean, this is just gold. Jessica, where can we learn from you, find you, support you, come to your master classes, book you as our coach? I mean, tell us all the things. So, oh, you're the best. Okay. So right now there is a $100 offer for my online course. That's called go from camera shy to camera ready. That's on my website, jessicaabo.com. Go to the tab, buy my course. My team is tracking the, the website today. So anyone who is in this group, who has been listening to this in real time, Anyone who buys this course in between now and midnight tomorrow, because it's Yom Kippur, so I won't be online. So you get an extra day. Um, I will check first thing Thursday morning, and that person is going to receive um, a half hour of media training for free. So that's your bonus for that's a $500 gift right there. So a half hour media training session with me for free. If you buy the course between now and Wednesday at midnight, and then the master class, you can find out about, um, by emailing me, I will email you that info because we're about to launch the next one this week, but I will give you first dibs and anyone who buys a seat to that, I will give you an hour worth of media training for free. And I will help you get a place, uh, a press placement after the five weeks are over. So that. That is an $1,000 value right there. And then the, the PR, I don't even know what a month of PR training is these days or PR support, but you're going to get that too. Your, your goal. I don't even know how you're giving all these women, all of this time. You are incredible, incredible. And for those that are listening to this, not live, well, you should be joining the club and joining us live because this is exactly what happens inside of being like in the room. So if you're a podcast listener and you're like, I want to be in the room, get in the room, into the club. 
all of all of the things that Jessica is talking about, we're going to link it into the show notes. We'll definitely get a code for our listeners for yep. EO school, at least to sign up for the masterclass and some additional bonuses. So when this episode drops, you'll have at least some bonuses, but get in the room, get inside of the club, get meet Jessica. And um, we're actually going to move to Q&A after. So you actually get to participate in Q&A with our guests too. So quick plug right there as well. Jessica, how are you even doing all the, that's going to be a separate you and I'm going to text you later to say, how are you giving everyone all the one-on-one time ladies go grab those goodies. Um, we're going to be popping in all the links to Jessica right after this. So don't stress about doing it in this exact four minutes or like in this exact time, we'll make sure that you guys get a follow-up, um, right now, uh, on Slack in your groups and all this stuff. So we'll make sure that we have the right links, Jessica, so you can track it as well. So I'm technically still on maternity leave, but I opened up my schedule about two weeks ago because I just had too many clients who were like, I'm speaking this. And then I just, I said, okay, you know what? We're going to divide and conquer. So I have a very supportive husband. So the way that I can do it all is by having a very supportive husband and a, um, a baby nurse who is helping on the days where I am a little bananas, because otherwise I get in trouble for holding our daughter all day. People are like, you need to, you need to put her in the crib. I'm like, but I just tell her I'm happy she's here. So I'm going to hold her for two more minutes. Thanks. <laughs> So it's good to be back in the saddle for sure. But, um, but I really love your community and I want to help as many people as I possibly can in a short amount of time. So, so that's why I wanted to offer things that would actually be helpful and tangible for those who are listening. And it's after the fact or a year later, you can still get my free guide called get press with Jess by going to my website downloading that PDF. And it has all of my tips on how to get PR and always happy to help folks. Someone asked in the, the chat, what's my Instagram. That's at Jessica Abo TV. I live on Instagram. I'm not such a Twitter girl. I'm also on LinkedIn and Facebook, but Instagram is Instagram and LinkedIn are the best ways to follow me. And then if you want to get in touch, just go to my website, jessicaabo.com, and you can contact me there. Running a business is hard. Managing employees is hard. Getting customers through the door is even harder, but getting paid shouldn't have to be. This is where Stacks Payments is here to help. As an intuitive platform for invoicing, recurring billing, in-person, as well as online payments, Stacks is a one-stop hub to get you paid. What's even better? Stacks has one flat fee for the month instead of percentages you can't understand. Stop spending time tracking down customers or payment tools that fail on you. Set your automations up with Stacks Payments today. As CEO and founder of Stacks and CEO School, it's been my mission to support female leaders, founders, and CEOs. With Stacks, I'm able to do so by providing fast, easy, and affordable way to process payments every day for you. Thank you for tuning into today's show. If you loved it, leave us a review. We are so proud to bring you authentic conversations, game changer expert guests, and valuable content on and offline. The best compliment you can give us is by screenshotting today's show and tagging us on Instagram at CEO School and at Sanira Madani. We are obsessed with swag, so don't be surprised if we want to send you some. Thanks for tuning into class today. And remember, nothing bad happens when women make more money.